0: all right welcome everybody sorry we're starting a little bit late although that was the plan all along so <laughs> gotcha uh welcome this is i don't, I don't want to say too much i'm jonathan bartlett and along with jensen who if you don't want to stand up here actually because i think she deserves a lot of credit uh we put uh, started putting this together in the the, what was it October last year? We had uh, part one of stories matter, which is the overall name for this talk uh, And there was it was great success. There was a lot of demand for a follow-up. So that's what we're doing here today uh, I we don't want to say a whole lot because uh, unlike last time I'm not moderating Richie Pope is moderating um, He's gonna do a phenomenal job Uh, but I do just want to say, really, thank you very much for all being here. It's it's wonderful to see the number of people in the room today on a Saturday. I want to say thank you to everyone online that's listening or will be listening later on uh, to the recorded talk. That's uh, It's encouraging to see the numbers, the number of views go up and up and up on the first one. So we, at the Society, um, We're committed to making a difference and making change and being relevant not just for the future or the past But for the future and I think these talks say a lot about that So just a few thank yous to the society to everybody that works here, but then also especially to um, President Tim O'Brien He he, maybe a lot of y'all don't know him who are up here or listening (laughs) or in the room, but he actually does a lot and has is, is integral to making sure giving the freedom and the platform to me to start helping to do all this here so um i think it's worth noting that thanking tim is a big deal so anyway from here jensen's gonna speak
1: thanks so much everybody for coming um we want y'all to engage in the conversation so raise your hand uh tweet at the society page and we'll try and bring as much up as possible thanks again
0: all right richie pope
2: Uh, thanks for coming out. So uh, if you didn't know, Stories Matters too. Uh, so we had the first part. I was on the panel. Maybe a few people in here were on the panel, the first part. And uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, obviously we just jump right into diversity, inclusion, illustration. And uh, we touched on a lot of things. We kind of like kind of like tease like a lot of things. And like at the last minute, there was like question at the end. Um, so, yeah, we're going to pretty much just go from there and just get more real. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, more realer, if you, if you, if you will. Um, so yeah. Uh, so if everyone wants to go down the line, introduce yourselves, what you do, how you want to be identified, it's relevant. Um, all right. I'm. Uh,
3: yep. Yeah. Testing, testing. I'm Ronald Wimberly. Uh, I'm a cartoonist. I guess everybody here is a cartoonist. Uh, I wrote and drew Prince of Cats. I did a little, you know, I do a little something here and there for Marvel and DC, or did. Um, some for the New Yorker. Uh, yeah, I draw comics. <laughs> yeah. And I'm drawing a comic called Gratin in right now and soon some stuff from Image that I haven't started on yet.
4: Uh, Thank you, Ron. My name is Yao Xiao. I am a cartoonist and illustrator. I also work as a creative director. Uh, I'm very proud of what I do. I really love it. Um, I have done illustration for the Wall Street Journal, um, Time Magazine, National Geographic, and a bunch of other people. Um, And I'm hoping to share some insights about um, how I get to do what I do and for people who are in school um, who have questions related to that. Thank you.
5: Hello, my name is, can you hear me? Hello, my name is Odara. I am an illustrator. I love fantasy, mythology, painting, dancing, lots of things just mixed up together. Mm -hmm. Um, Most recently, I started a Patreon that celebrates African and black resilience in power and reclamations, um, mostly inspired by just that intersection of things, identity, Sailor Moon, (laughs) Beyoncé. All right.
6: Yeah, give it up for Sailor Moon and Beyoncé. My name is John Lee. I also love Sailor Moon and Beyoncé. We have this in common. Uh, I'm an illustrator. I've been working about six years freelancing. I'm currently in the SVA MFA illustration program. I'm interested in arts education, I'm interested in, in talking about the Asian American experience and Asian diaspora experience as well. Um, so a lot of my work centers on that too. So.
7: Um, my name's Shannon Wright. Um, I'm a cartoonist and an illustrator. Uh, big news, I just got into the student show, so I'm happy with that. Yeah. I, and I guess I'll say I'm also, I'm I'm currently a student and I will be graduating in May, so. I'm happy about that. Um, Pretty much, I like examining uh, racial issues, society, things that are going on in society, gender-based issues, just issues that a lot of people aren't talking about that we need to talk about. Um, But yeah,
8: back to Sailor Moon and Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs)
7: Love that stuff, Um,
8: but yeah. Um, hi, I'm Alexandra Zygmunt, uh, I'm an art director at the New York Times for the opinion section and I've been working there for five years. Um, I guess my interest there is to really um, bring a real diversity of voices into the newspaper and to commission people who have never done an editorial illustration before as well as also bring in, you know, really both established and emerging illustrators um, to, to just keep sort of this very wide interest in what we, we show. Um,
9: yeah. Um, I'm Kathy G. Johnson, I'm a cartoonist. Um, I'm also a teacher uh, for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, And I'm currently working on a graphic novel for First Second. It's going to come out in 2017. Um, I'm a genderqueer artist, so I work with a lot of queer topics. Yeah. (laughs) Cool.
2: Same. All right, cool. Uh, let's start, let's jump into <laughs> Sailor Moon and Beyonce. <laughs> Apparently, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I was I was kind of thinking like where to start. I didn't really want to like be like all right, first topic, first this. Um, but there is something that's relevant. I thought is you know it's kind of like an elephant in the room or something that we kind of like talk about it and then just like walk away from it. Uh, Someone's gonna say those two words, political correctness. So there was a, I think it was a video that came out with uh, John Cleese, the comedian from uh, Monty Python. <clears throat> and he he talked about it, it kind of opened up with like the thumbnails, like 1984, like George Orwell, Orwellian kind of things. And uh, they they kind of talk about, you know, comedians, and even though it's about comedy, it, it made me think about content and like, you know, uh, there's things that yeah, we shouldn't, that are bad that we shouldn't say, but like, you know, all the off limits, and so I guess, uh, you know it's, it's very much a topic in illustration and comics and storytelling you know um so I guess the idea is like is there a way to is there a way to be uh conscious but also free uh in terms of like what we can use like with imagery and can we like can we flip them around at the same time
6: This is John. Uh, So we'll be saying our names a lot, because we have to identify on the the online. Every single time. (laughs) Every single time. John
2: again for the 34th time. Me again, yeah.
6: Um, I think for a few things you have to get, we have to put it right on the table, just straight up. We have to realize that everything that we do has a social context, period. So everything that you put out there it's kind of out there, it lives on its own, it's got its own life. um people are gonna come at it from where they're at, and you just have to acknowledge that that's the reality of the business that we're in like we we create things, and these things matter right These things have power, so you can't have it both ways where it's like oh i I make something, but it's it's just a drawing, it's just a drawing don't don't get offended by it, you know. You can either have that, but then you can't also have like, oh, I'm, I have a piece up in the Society of Illustrators, and illustration is art, and it's a it's a very powerful art, and it's a celebrated art with a lot of history. You can't have those two things. You have to acknowledge that it is powerful, A, and then B, you have to realize that it has social context. Like, everything you do has social context. So that's kind of like a starter point where we have to, we have to like establish a baseline, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: I say something, like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what John Cleese said, but something that that I I think needs to be said about uh, people who are, you know, wary of political correctness, and that's like, no one's really worried, no one's stopping you from saying things. Like, I think, you know, we should all be free to say whatever we want to say, but, like, you've got to be open to the repercussions of it. I think a lot of people who complain about political correctness... Are just complaining because, for the first time in their life and in sometimes history, their particular beliefs are being criticized when they express them. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're not—they're not really, you know, upset about. Oh well, I should be able to say everything that I—I I should be able to say the things that we used to say. You know, uh, un—you know, uncrit—uncriticized. You know, uncriti- uncriticized,
10: you know? Mm-hmm. That,
4: that's it. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah I- read the article that John Cleese um, that like touched based on what he said and after that I was like wait like have you like had ne- e- anyone ever told you like one joke that you told was bad or like did anyone ever make you feel embarrassed in public for something you said like that Happens to everyone, and then that's like an experience you should have. And I was like, it's not anyone's right to be like, well, uh, like I should be able to say whatever I want, and no one can ever say anything about it because I'm so cool. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you can say whatever you want, and someone's always going to be like, dude, I don't, I don't know, like, or dude, you're making a fool of yourself. Like when that happens, you need to be okay with it because, like. I mean, everyone does that once in a while. It's not a big deal. So I think there is a lot of um, people who have to come out as being really sensitive, fragile people. I was like, I am so sorry. I never saw you that way. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh those are all
2: the opinions on no i'm just kidding <laughs> that's all that's all for that uh, please you know like you know, yeah uh, yeah everybody knows. yeah um is he here <laughs> 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 uh yeah i guess let's see well so in terms of like community there's the because i had to learn how to pronounce this word correctly Agalim. Angulim. Angulim? Yes. I was close. There was a little n in there that I didn't. Was a little inflection that I almost had. Uh okay, yeah, yeah. Uh so they had like the, you know, the International Comics Festival. I guess like the Grand Prix, like lifetime achievement award. And for people that don't know. It's Oh. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, you know what? You know what? Hey, hey, I I was close. I was so close. Uh is lifetime achievement also pronounced that <laughs> way? <laughs> uh, so yeah, they had like thirty candidates, and apparently,
3: Jeeves <laughs> are also. <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah,
2: that's how you pronounce every word. <laughs> uh, so n- apparently, none were women, like none. Um, and I kind of like I researched a little bit. Apparently, they on- they've only awarded like, or I guess nominated one woman. Yeah, I think, like just in the history since like seventy four. One woman has won. One woman has won. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, and so you know they had that. I think twelve nominees, were in protest. Uh, I think retracted um, and then like the I guess the committee kind of like okay we'll nominate like six more we'll nominate six women like, like here's some six here's six of you know <laughs> and then they retracted that and then just let like professionals uh, vote um, so it's kind of like it's kind of a topic of uh, like c- presumed credibility I guess um, and you Ron you brought up a good point about like are we kind of naive to even expect uh, institutions to be meritocracies to begin with right like I mean, off the top maybe yeah. you guys can say you know <sighs> my bad <laughs> <laughs> hey man you're
3: ready you're maybe, ready maybe you guys can help me out because like I, I would be interested in a counterpoint because like i just don't watch awards like mm-hmm. i i mean and it's funny because like i you know i'm going to be maybe helping to judge something here i think and like but i don't i don't i mean i'm keep it 100 i don't give a fuck you know like <laughs> I, when when if they ever like they're not a meritocracy right and then there's a discussion about you know uh, affirmative action or whatever, and it's like, well, you know, well, uh, well, is it is it gonna be an, a meritocracy or are we just gonna let these other people in? And it's like, well, you've been letting people in off of like poor merit already. Like now you're just gonna do it and they're gonna be more diverse. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> what's the point? Like so, I mean, if you guys care about awards, if you guys care about Angoulême or you know, Harveys or whatever the you know. Like, wh- <laughs> what would be, what would you say to me to be like, well, maybe you should care about these Hollywood, you know, I I never tried, I done all right. I don't care. I don't, go, I, I didn't go when I got <laughs> nominated. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
10: yeah,
4: I think for, for awards, um, as a young artist or even your student, I think there's a level of value to it. Like you, like people, you show up and people don't, Uh, immediately trust you, like you are trying to establish some kind of credential. Like, when we were all sitting here before, like, we all have to say, like, what kind of work we do. Like, why are you sitting there listening to me talking about things? So, like, vending on awards or getting stuff, It just, like, if you're someone who shows up and people just don't trust you, like, that are, like, some of the things you can pull out of the bag and be like, look at all these shiny things that I get. And uh, y- if you are catering to groups that believe in awards, it kind of... um. You know, like it doesn't really matter whether you believe in them or not. I was like, yeah, I'm probably never gonna get into Angulum, like, who cares? But if I'm talking to people every day who like really cares about it, they're like, why don't you have one of those things? (laughs) And and then I was like, well, it shouldn't matter so much because you're obviously biased and they're never gonna give it to me. So you're in this like catch 22 where um, I think the most effective thing to do uh, for me is to come up as really great arguments of every time people mention that I was like this is why I think this shouldn't matter this much and then why don't you look at my work and I can totally do what you asked me to do which is how it happens most of the time anyway but I think in school um, or if you're trying to get scholarships or if you're trying to uh, do stuff like there are definitely people who look at um, awards that stacks up
6: also, I think when you talk about meritocracy, you have to think about like, okay, so I go to an art school that is a really great art school. Um, I have the best teachers, I have the best resources, therefore I have a kind of a leg up when I have access to these things. Well, who's going to those art schools? What demographics are in those art schools? Which demographics are getting access to to these resources? So meritocracy ju- doesn't just start and stop and is maybe a farce in this kind of institution. It goes so deep, right? It goes throughout our entire society. Um, I think there are functions to, to institutions like this where, yeah, you have to establish some level of credibility in terms of that I kind of know what I'm talking about, but also the, like, it has a history. This building has a history, the work has a history, et cetera. It may be something that we take issue with because people like us were not allowed to, or working in this industry for a while. Um, <laughs> it, but they do things like act as a bellwether for these types of social issues. Like we are up on this stage. At this institution, talking about this stuff, so in that way, I think it it serves as a kind of focus or focal point that has um power, and I think that has a level of visibility that I think is very useful too so. That's not really a devil, like devil's argument, but th- there is, I think there is something useful to these types of institutions, and part of that is trying to look at work um, and try to figure out what's good work or not. I think you can automatically throw out the idea that there's quality as the bellwether or the, the measure of the work. I think it's what's quality, who gets to determine? who gets to determine quality. Um, even when you talk about diversity, you talk about the authenticity of work, um, who gets to de- determine authenticity? You can fake authenticity all day long. So there's a lot of issues that we have to like address and look at and, and, and think about when we're, we're looking at these, uh, the prizes and all that stuff too.
8: And I think you know those kind of institutions have such a deep responsibility to to really to, to be inclusive, and um, I think Angoulême's response was a bit disturbing in that they didn't really admit any culpability for their position, um, and, and you know they I think they really went wrong there. And, and I think what was also strange about it was that, you know I think a lot of us could name so many uh, female artists that that deserve that award. Um, And I know that like a lot of the response to what happened there is that people came out with lists of all of these incredible cartoonists, female cartoonists that have been working in the industry, Julie Doucet, like all of these people that people really respect that didn't even make that list. Um, And you know, clearly the people that are making that decision um, don't see the value in, in creating that kind of diversity and inclusion and, and it's, it's, to me it doesn't seem even like an like a, a issue of inclusion. It's just, you know, looking at who are major players in an in, in industry and, and seeing it for what it is. Um, and women artists are always part of that. So I just. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
11: There,
3: there's a bit of irony. All right, so I was there, I was in Angoulême on on residency. Um, They had a Tove Janssen exhibition there. It was amazing, it's beautiful. If you don't know, uh, she created Moomin, Queer Woman, like amazing, very important uh, illustrator. They had, they had a fucking exhibition there. Right. right? (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, she's never been nominated nor won. She's, you know, Jesus, she illustrated The Hobbit. Like, she, you know, Moomin is probably one of the biggest international, I mean, it's like Snoopy and Moomin.
8: Yeah, they have a, they have like a, you know? They have like a whole, like, amusement park. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right? Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I can't, how do I take that serious? How do I take this award seriously? You
4: know? I want to add. One more thing uh, for awards like this, I think for uh, cartoonists or illustrators who have it or if you need it to get to a certain level of credibility or if you need to teach or like no one can discredit you for having it or attending it or anything. It just like if you didn't get it or whatever, I think I had just like a level of like like realization. It was like, I don't know how valuable, you know, it really speaks to... W- like uh, whether people would like your work or whether you're going to have an audience or if you're going to be successful i don't know how relevant that is to to actually anything but uh, if you have it i think it's certainly very useful and then like uh and that's why it is sort of very evolved and people selectively don't give them to women so yeah yeah yeah. uh i think we have
0: and just curious, like, uh, since Shannon, in your intro, you mentioned that you just want you just got mm-hmm. into this student scholarship yeah. show, mm-hmm. what, you know, your thought as a student coming from that perspective?
7: Um, I guess I guess, in, in that sphere, um, being a student, you definitely look for that validation. Like, getting into a show like that, you're just like, wow, like, I'm being validated now. Maybe someone's going to look at me now. And I think I want, what I want, like, students to take away from that is like your validation doesn't come from other people validating you. Like you need to validate yourself first. Mm -hmm. Um, like even if I like didn't get into the show, the work I'm making matters to me. And I know it's mattered to other people. It's mattered to the piece that got in has been brought up from people in like Brazil. They came to me and they're like, Hey, like this is an issue that we're dealing with. I've like, this speaks to me. Other people have talked to me. And I just I don't think that validation needs to come from these higher ups that are always deciding what what holds that value. Um, so yeah, so like I'm happy I got into the show. I'm 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 really grateful, but I don't I don't want these 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 award shows to like discourage people and and have them kind of just like give, give up their dreams or like give up their ambitions to just continue to make work. So yeah. It's it, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of things when when you're still in school, ex- especially now when you're competing against everyone and you want to like make it right out the gate. Um, these award shows are kind of like, all right, well, you're already above everyone else, and like that that's that's kind of a um, a toxic way of thinking because because you're pretty much saying like, what let's say what John's making is trash. Or what? <laughs> which what which, you're making is not trash, John. Yeah? Which,
2: which which by the way it is not.
10: <laughs>
2: John's is actually not. amazing. Everybody's amazing. Just yeah, for you know, listeners who couldn't like see Hypotheticals.
7: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, this
2: is the moderator speaking again yeah. for people online. Oh, yeah, that was sh- Yeah, and that, that was Shannon. So <laughs> we, we, we wish we had like a robot to be like Shannon and then like <laughs> Richie see, and then yeah. we start talking. Uh yeah, in terms of like the validation, uh, I think it's definitely something that's because like when you're in school, mm-hmm. that in itself, that in itself is like institution. Yeah. And so the the only thing you see is like what comes after. So yeah. it's like okay, school, then like society or mm-hmm. you know this this group whatever. Um, and so like, yeah, like I guess in terms of like students, like how people that don't go to school, mm-hmm. uh, and still want to be in it. I think they feel like, what's the, what's my connection? Like, how do I just, yeah, yeah. how do I just jump in if I'm not in school? Like, yeah. um, I, don't know, I was trying to think of like what to, what, like, what, what, how can we help them? How we support them to like make the jump?
9: Hey.
2: <laughs> and, and introduce yourselves oh, every um, time.
9: I'm Kathy. Oh, hey. Um, <laughs> I actually went to art school, but I went for sculpture, um, I guess I don't know. This isn't very insightful. I just meet a lot of people at conventions. Mm-hmm. I just go to conventions, which is uh, so I live in a really cheap city, and I pay my living expenses are very low, so I can spend a lot of money traveling and stuff, which is kind of a choice I've made purposely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that. Oh, that
2: was a <laughs> disciple. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good tip. The world actually. Here. <laughs> uh, uh. That's good. That's good.
6: <laughs> Like Kathy, I didn't have a illustration background, so I, I'm actually a creative writing major. Um, so when I got out of school, I was like, Yo, I want to I want to draw pictures and get money for it. But what is that? What even is that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what what even do I do? My, my, my do parents with that. were very disappointed, and so coming from an Asian family, it's like also like a double disappointment, I guess. <laughs> um, but but. Something that I tapped into kind of early on, and something that I think is probably the one of the core pillars of what we're talking about is the establishment of this community that supports each other and supports our, ourselves in a lot of ways. So I was really lucky to have mentors that took time out of their day and like, hey, this is what an invoice looks like. Like, just scratch my social off of it and my name, and, uh, and then you can start using it. I was like, okay, cool. And uh, so there was there's people along the way that like that took out their, that took time out of their day to like show me the ropes um and i think that's one of the most important kind of precedents of illustration i want to say american illustration because you can track the lineage um through who teaches who who, you know but it's it's passing what you know on to the next generation and it doesn't rely on these institutions necessarily people can reach out and get in touch with you and people will will take time out of their day to, to to tell you what's up and uh to help, help you like they were helped as well. Mm-hmm. So that's also a double-edged sword too because some, sometimes people will betray that, right? Sometimes people will be too busy or they think they're above something or that you don't have the credibility. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't need to talk to this guy, he's not good. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't have that, like, he didn't win the student award show because mm-hmm. his work is trash. Um, <laughs> 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 it's like, why should I help this guy? Uh, <laughs> Um, and that to me is like a betrayal of that uh, that precedent. And that's really something we probably should like check ourselves a lot of times, you know, like, oh, this email, I don't wanna, I don't wanna write this email to the student right now. It's like, yeah. yo, come on, like, how long is it really gonna take?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think. Oh, oh,
6: uh, can you introduce yourself.
4: Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Every I'm time I, I was kidding. And <laughs> I have not introduced myself to any of the things I said. So if you sound, <laughs> <laughs> if you heard me, that's me speaking. Uh,
2: <laughs> Hello, me.
4: Hi. <laughs> uh, so far, I totally agree. I think for us to all learn more from what we have, uh, we need to be not elitist about anything like we can't as professionals can't be like oh that person's like a student or like that person didn't even go to art school that person even didn't even go to school I don't know why I'm talking to them or for students if you like someone's work uh, you know there are a lot of people with a lot of knowledge who is willing to give you all they know and don't look at their awards, don't look at, like, you know, who they worked for because you never know, like, what happens in people's lives. Maybe there are, like, choices that they made. They don't work for certain people. So you don't have to... uh, Because I feel like like people would flood to a certain direction, like, thinking they're going to get what they want, but then, like, you know, people don't have time or... There are just so many professional illustrators out there who are like, I know all of this stuff, I need to give it to someone. Otherwise, it just, like, rots. And then, like, five years later, it doesn't? it's not relevant anymore. Um, so, and then I would say, like, when you're asking for help, people are willing to help, but you kind of got to, like, be a little more forward about it. You know, like, I'm not going to write to students and be like, can I help you? But if you just, like, <laughs> wrote me, like, I, this is... They'll was, be really
2: excited. <laughs> like,
4: <laughs> wait, who's this? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I I think some people take like an extra step to like do like a call online, like I'm ready to help you, like send me your questions. But you do have to be a little more self-motivated too. Um, But also for us who went to art school, sometimes it's just like a matter of like sharing what exactly you did in art school, because some people don't know. Um, Like a lot of it's like having that network or knowing certain people. And you don't ha- really have to go to art school for it, uh, if you know that's exactly what it is. Um, question. Yeah, yeah, I have
2: a question. To relate. Oh, can
4: can everybody hear?
2: He'll ask you, you
0: <laughs>
5: can repeat.
2: Okay. Okay. Cool. I have a question. <laughs> Hello.
5: Uh, you're talking about giving back. How many of you, or how do you, how do you give back? Do you have, do you have people specifically that you maybe mentor? How many of you? Have a mentor.
0: I mean, I know some of you are pointing to somebody's experience, but I wonder how much of that has been formalized or, or, or
5: done informally. And, and, and do you look for specific kinds of people to mentor? Does, any, does anybody ever come mm-hmm. up and you're like, no, sorry, not you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
6: so, so the question was uh, like, how do y- how do y'all how do y'all give back? Yeah. Yo, Tumblr. Tumblr <laughs> is worth that. Like actually, the the ask function on Tumblr is probably the best, sing, the single most like useful part of Tumblr, um, because people can ask anonymously, but people can attach it to their blogs, whatever, whatever. And then once you answer that question, it becomes a self encapsulated post, right? So uh, for a while, my blog was 80 percent just fielding questions from students. Um, specifically, I was talking about my own experience. So I was talking about like again, Asian American experience and Asian American or uh, Asian diaspora experience too. Talking uh, about issues like me, what's your Tumblr? Uh, it's johndraws.tumblr.com. <laughs> 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 um... But I was speaking from my particular experience, and that automatically kind of attracted a certain type of person who was looking for that information. Um, But it became a thing. Like, it became a thing that gained momentum, and um, people were sharing it. There was a dialogue. It became a very interesting um, place for them to reach me directly. And it was in a very public, uh, open area, too, because it's on on Tumblr, obviously. So, So that was really great.
2: Um, I don't know if you guys. Other, yeah, yeah. yeah th- that, that was John, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think before before I I think before I even met you, I think I followed your uh, your Tumblr, and uh, I don't think I I'd, I'd ever seen like I knew it was like the ask function. I just started my Tumblr, but like it was it's kind of like even if no one asks you a question, it's it can be like pass like almost like passive help just from like observing. Yeah. So you like there's there's people that might come up to you and ask or say like oh you know thank you for this and that. But is one something you consciously did? It was kinda just like just the, the act of making and the act of being like visible yeah. as yourself. Yeah, I definitely use Tumblr <clears throat> as much as
3: possible. Um and sometimes because I'm a sharer, I just volunteer information, mm-hmm. you know. Um I wish I got more asks though. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
2: yeah. Hey, everybody yeah. ask uh, ask Ron, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> ask him right now, you know. This yeah. is like a live Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. You ask them right now.
3: <laughs> Don't you, get me started, though, because I'll be up here.
2: You, you could put on a mask. We'll be anonymous, you know. <laughs> you r- repeat the there's same a, things. There's a
3: question. There's a, a
7: question. A, there's oh yeah. There's
12: like two questions. They can come up and talk. Into yeah, if you guys want to come up. I have a Ron <laughs> What's
10: yeah? I've heard you on like a podcast, like talking about the difficulties that you had with like, mm. Marvel and DC. Mm. How are we going to go there? <laughs> 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 this is
13: like. A, are
2: you top, when we're talking about diversity, right. like criticizing the major people who like commission work? Like, do you have an like idea about a line that you cross, or like, so you, where do you, you know? So, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, repeat the question pretty much, you know, work with Marvel, DC, the big, you know, big companies, Uh, you know, but like what lines are, you know. I mean, my answer is you. Uh, it's
3: like four. It's like four, four words long. I don't give a fuck. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's four. That's four. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't see me working with them ever again. But like, uh, if they're gonna create an environment where certain behavior is acceptable, then like, I don't want to fucking work with them. Like, it's it's that simple. Like, I you know. It's easier for me to say because I'm in a place now where, okay, I get work from other people, Mm -hmm. you know, like it was different when I was starting out, you know, and I feel like even on the inside, back then it was kind of like, I don't know, you take some bullshit, but like then when you get to a position where you have people listening and you can actually, you know, buck back like you do, you know, and that's, that's the uh, privilege you get to a place of privilege, then you pass that shit down, you know? So that's how I feel about it. And I don't give a fuck.
10: <laughs> <Yeah. That's wrong. laughs> yeah, Ron, Ron
2: <Wimbley. laughs> and, and also that was five words, I'm sorry, that was I don't give, that was five. That was five, that was five. I thought it was four too, but
4: <laughs> Okay, this is Yao. Uh, yeah, to answer that question, I definitely answer people's emails all the time. And uh, I do talk to people who teach at school who I'm like can I come talk to your students about stuff because they're about to graduate and they're all freaking out and you don't know why they're freaking out but I know why they're freaking out so I want to go talk to them and maybe they can like have a little better time than I had when I was graduating um, and uh, speaking at places it's a great way to say something once and then like more than one person can hear it. That's really like I think the fun of these things um, it yeah it's not like just people like to sit at podiums and yap all day but I just like you know if you can like set a place and time people who want to know these things they come and they hear it and they tell like 50 other people that would be really great um, and also whenever I talk to someone who's a student, I'm like, you know, if you need to talk to me anytime, if you have any questions, uh, or like, if you see me at society, like definitely say hi, or like if you, like you have an online presence, let's be friends. Because this is how, this is how people network, and this is how people get work. So I definitely make that really clear, like you can definitely do that
7: um i i wanted to talk on uh how we give back and stuff Um, shannon oh shannon (laughs) (laughs) shannon speaking now Uh, um for me um at my school i have different organizations set up and i always make it open to have different people contributing i um i work for my newspaper as like the uh, illustrations editor so i'm always open for other people to get into illustration and some of them come to me and they're like hey i've I've never done this illustration before and i straight up say i am here to help you get there um here's my number here's my email like we can we can get there together we can bounce ideas off of each other and i don't ever want them to be in a place where they they feel like they can't do it because they don't have like the access or just the knowledge to do something such things so i think it's a matter of making yourself available and putting that time aside um i definitely try to put that time aside i mean sometimes i've gotten like text messages at like two in the morning and they're like i'm just having difficulty huh i, your number, right? Right. I mean <laughs> <laughs> facebook is a real thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just like putting yourself out there, maybe making these workshops available say hey I'm available during these times and these times to consult and maybe just talk a little bit. I think a lot I think a lot of students and I'm just going to speak on students just want to have that time to talk and um, they don't want to feel like they're being pushed aside or what what they're asking isn't of importance. So even even if it's just like 30 minutes, and they're like, hey, I'm having difficulties with this. I don't know how to approach this subject matter, or I, I just need help. I think it's our job to maybe put a little bit of time aside, even if it's just an email, to like help them through it a little bit. You know, just give back. Someone mentioned like when you get to that level of privilege, you it's you have to like pass that down, and you just like it's like you get into the door, and then you try to help other people get into the door, and then it's like a chain reaction, a domino effect, and I think that's how. Um, we have to like set this, this society up and this community up, where um, it, it it becomes that community sphere where we're helping each other, and not sh- not just like it's all about myself, and stuff. Um, and I can go into like ally stuff and all those other things, but <laughs> <laughs> all, all the other stuff. Uh-
6: right. <laughs> um. Well, also just like a, a quick note, too, it's an uh, artist's responsibility in terms of community. I would say that that's not really the artist's responsibility. Like he doesn't, ha- they don't have to do that. Um, so like Philippe Kweli says, artists only responsibility is to be honest, right? And what that means is different for everybody. Um, so whether that means I'm honestly reflecting my roots and I had a community that built me up, therefore I have to pay back. That's that's me. That's my prerogative. Somebody else might be like, I'm just gonna ride all day, and like fuck everybody. You know, like that's also their prerogative. They're making work. Okay, whatever. But people are people, and our community is comprised of people, and we, we have different levels of honesty that we are bringing to the table. I think so.
5: That's the only responsibility that I think we should have. Yeah,
10: okay.
5: And I think on that uh, point, this is this is Odera. Odera. <laughs> I think Kay. on that point, mentoring comes in a lot of different. Um, Ways like you can mentor like by telling people and teaching people things, but also in your work You can actually physically mentor for instance. You can have representation in your work, and that alone is enough. That can be your truth Um, I think in this community specifically Mentoring is so crucial Um, Mark chef who asked that question is my mentor, and I don't think I would be Here in this illustration community to that capacity without him Um, and recently I guess you could say sharing is caring because this February I was like, it's Black History Month, we gotta spotlight black illustrators and I didn't really expect it to like blow up or become this big thing. But on the first day it was like 2000 retweets of Thomas Blackshear's illustrations. So I think a really easy palpable way to give back is simply sharing other people's work and showcasing them and being like, I'm great, other people are great.
9: Yeah, this is Kathy. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, and that's the question kind of going back around to why things like Angloma, Anglomae are, M um, <laughs> are You're kind of a, a problem is because like, how are you supposed to know, depending on, I guess the internet kind of makes isolation less of a thing, but like, who are? how are you supposed to know who to ask if the big names that are winning awards are all people that you can't relate to, mm-hmm. is kind of why that might be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Angola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you do? Oh. Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, do you want you want to come up and then ask? Not
11: um, exactly a question, just a remark. OK. Uh, Ron, Ron. Yep. Ron. <laughs> I, I like your attitude. Like,
4: Everybody. No, <laughs> fuck everybody. No, it's not
11: fucking.
2: You know, th- there's there's. don't give a fuck and fuck everybody. I think, yeah. you know, there's an in between. Project
4: that. <laughs>
11: that. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, I've heard a discussion here um, about, like, what kind of. Uh, what kind of things or actions like a young professional or a young uh, illustrator that just like finished school or didn't finish school need to do in order to step it into the industry. So I, I'm not I'm not a professional illustrator like you, I'm just like doing some underground things. I'm from the security industry, mm-hmm. so I'm not related to this industry that much. But I would say that any professional, uh, regardless is like uh, occupation, um, should be in general focused like in two in two lanes. One lane is just like the professionalism, how technical he is, like develop his style, develop his like say if it's agenda or I don't know artistic style. But at the same time, he have he just like have to work on his like marketing skills. And what I'm saying, marketing is not like uh, uh, put like publish on Facebook. Yeah, I'm the the coolest artist in the world or whatever. Um, he definitely should go to some events like uh, caddy, caddy, caddy. Yeah. Uh, he should definitely go to some events and introduce himself. Um, furthermore, you have to go to events where key personnel in this industry and furthermore are like.
2: Pop- oh, sorry. I don't want to interrupt. If you want to come up and if you want to use the mic, because I think people at home are kind of trying to listen. They might not be able to hear you. Oh. Yeah. You, you come up. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on down. No, no, no. <laughs> I got it. Oh yeah, Thank you. I appreciate it. What's your name?
11: Yes. Hey, what's up? <laughs> um, so I'll introduce quickly myself. I'm Elad, um, not U.S. basis. You might hear according to my name. But um, I just mentioned like a quick w- remark here that people were developed a kind of discussion, what? Uh, young people or new begin or beginners in this industry have to do to make in order to step it up and just like Start to polish themselves getting new jobs or whatever so regardless if you guys or illustrators or young artists or professionals like these people are um, If you are a professional regardless your occupation, this is just like my uh, Perspective about it. First of all, uh, I believe that you have to work on your um professional side, like how good you are in art, your style, your character, like um, the way you're doing techniques and stuff like that. And from the other lane, I definitely believe that people should like working on their marketing skills, which means that as Katie have mentioned, she's not here. She's gone. (laughs) I think she took (laughs) a break. Uh Yeah, Elvis left (laughs) the building. But uh, yeah, you definitely have to go to conventions. Furthermore, you have definitely have to talk with key personnels in the, in this in specific industry. Because, of course, there is like a community responsibility, as these uh, professionals were saying and mentioned here. But uh, there is also the personal responsibility. Like every person has to take action and be responsible for himself in one way or another. To motivate himself, to push himself, to, I don't know, contact with these professionals or, or whatever that uh makes him uh one step further into this industry Um uh, furthermore i'm
12: sorry I, I, I don't want to interrupt you but i'd really
2: like to hear the panel Go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah wait wait what you had a you had a question for ron didn't you uh, well,
11: uh, no i just like wanted to put in a remark there
2: oh yeah yeah sure uh i think we actually have well. a online
6: question oh. yeah
11: okay
2: well can
6: i get a response real quick just uh, on oh,
2: okay. so you're yeah, not right.
11: you're
6: not wrong Right. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was fine. There is a professional aspect. There is a marketing aspect. There are all these things that we have to do to be professionals. But I think the reason we're up on the stage too, is that sometimes that's really hard when you're from coming from a marginalized standpoint, right? It's Uh, really hard to be a person. Sometimes it's really hard to be a professional. Sometimes if you're not treated like those things, if you're not raised like those things, if you're not in those atmospheres at that, at that time, it's so difficult to act like a human being when you're not treated like a human being sometimes. So, Yes, I mean it's it's like James Baldwin was saying he says I just want to write. I just want to write, but there's this problem that's like weighing down me at all times. How do I reconcile with that? How do I deal with that? And this is what we're talking about. When we're talking about community. These are the people that we're trying to uplift. These are the people that we're trying to find and we're trying to like tell their stories and let them tell their stories too. So you are not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong about the marketing and the professional aspect. But it goes so deep. Like yeah. it's it's goes so deep in the layers to this problem, quote unquote uh ooh. i don't know they, that it's not just a slick marketing campaign it, it can't be
4: okay so i just want to make a remark because i this is kind of my whole spiel too it's like yeah you gotta and, have and this like, is Yao. oh this is Yao speaking um so you've gotta work on your work and then you have to also have marketing skills that's like the basics of what everyone does anyway. So the stuff that we were talking about right now, it's like, at some point, like your work is like absolutely perfect. Like when I'm talking to people and when I'm marketing myself, it's like I've made the best work I can possibly make. It doesn't get any better at the second. This is like, there's no, like at this moment, this is like what I'm selling. I'm totally confident and I work on my personal skills. Like it, this is like beyond what you have already done so I, I would say like that's a good point if you feel like your personal skills needs brush up like uh by all means that's part of the job so like that's that's nice but i'm just saying the things that we're talking about right now it's once you have done all of your homework there are other stuff that yeah
3: so yeah absolutely <clears throat> uh yeah that's uh level one you need to do that so ron wimberly Ron, yeah. <laughs> Ron, Ron. Absolutely, level one, you have to have that. Um, that just means that you are a professional or an aspiring professional, if you haven't gotten paid for it yet, right? You're a professional. Um, moving on from there, humanizing yourself in those spaces, uh, that is a discussion to have. It. You have to be, it's, you know, assertiveness is required, but at the same time, you have to steel yourself against uh, the pushback that you'll receive and i mean this is going to sound maybe kind of like i don't know you you need to you need to invest in kind of humanizing yourself outside of that space believing in yourself outside of that space surrounding you with people who can when you when you leave that space before you go into that space like those people support
2: you you know and it's you like, can like not just doing it just like oh i need assignments so i need to but just like just living just yeah. in general. It's life in yeah. general life yeah.
3: in general and like kind of surrounding, you know, what is it? The uh, I'll be your mirror like that, um, you know, like keep people around you who reflect that humanity back to you. So when you go into those uh, spaces that are, you know, caustic, you can come back or you can like, you know, you can rely on that support.
2: I think is for me, that's very important. Yeah, you know, uh, I think we have a question. We have questions for everywhere, so we'll, we'll get to every as many people as we can. <laughs> so
1: uh, should, should I
2: read it? Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: I got um. I have a question from the podcast chat and it's as a transgender student in an illustration department managed by a lot of cisgender heterosexual old white men, how can students best carve out their own spaces in schools for art and making that aren't defined by the older generation's ideals for their students of sticking to the script, being professional and following in the tradition of illustration? We got another
2: one after that. Okay. Yeah, that's actually that's what I was gonna get to (laughs) I was gonna talk about like the role teachers and like canon and classics like what they show you versus like maybe what you're into and you know the disparity like when those things when those things don't line up
4: yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that comes up now. This is Yao. This is Yao. <laughs> I am so bad at this. <laughs> you would <laughs> Eventually, the one last person who doesn't it say her it name it's is It's me. an unnatural
2: way to talk. Like, this is me again. It's like
4: a huge international <laughs> conference call or something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing that is, um, it, it just comes up in art school now because we do have a pretty big generation gap between students and teachers because students get younger and younger and and time moves faster in a young person's life uh, so every year everyone feels a little more depressed about how they're being treated in school uh, and a lot of things that everyone thought was okay before, uh, like it's never been okay and then teachers are freaking out like why isn't this okay and students are like why are you treating me that way uh, and I think it's a, it is really difficult but I think two things might help with someone who's in school right now Uh, for one like when someone is telling you that you are just like making a fuss you're like being depressed for no reason like you can't believe that what they're saying is true it's completely BS and then another thing is that you are in a really unique position where you uh, you will be disbelieving everything that people say to you which is a very great way to live like basically people are gonna tell you a lot of things and you have the right to be like actually you're wrong and probably no one has told you that you're wrong before I am that person I'm sorry this is gonna happen for you this year next year for your entire life people are gonna start telling you that you're wrong and then you are part of that M- now. might as well start it right now so it's it, yeah <laughs>
2: it's gonna come up again
4: yeah so there there's some it's it just like and that there are other people who are outside of school who will support you. So I'm just gonna say you're not alone if you are feeling that way. It can easily happen in art schools, especially not in New York, um, and then you are not easily reachable by people who are not in your city, who are not in your school. Are
3: you saying they're not alone in being wrong? Like, are you still explaining to that person?
4: Oh, (laughs) that too, that too. You
3: find that people agree (laughs) with you. You're still
10: wrong. (laughs) Yeah,
4: Yeah, even if a ton of people are agreeing with you, you are still wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
5: This is Odara. I can't speak specifically to trans issues, but I think it's important, no matter what, to carve out safe spaces for yourself. maybe even more critical than the actual art school work that you're doing. Um, I remember, this isn't trans related, but I I went to RISD, which was 1% black. So by the end of our senior year, there was 10 other black people two of them being an illustration with me. So I would literally go to Brown University, take African dance classes, um, do whatever I could to like find that community that I needed so that I could focus on work. And some people would be like, okay, you're like spending four hours at Brown every weekend and you should be in studio. And I was like, yeah, but I also need to see other black people, period. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just important to create those spaces that you can heal in and thrive in.
9: Yeah, I think it's hard to... This is Kathy. ...know this. (laughs) You're Richie. I'm Kathy. (laughs) Yes, yes, Um, yes. (laughs) um, I think it's really hard to... Because when you're in school, a lot of the times you're very young. You're freshly not a teenager anymore. And it's hard to... Uh, realize that your life is not school mm-hmm. and that also schools love to make it seem like you can only be in the school campus and you have to do all the campus activities and you can't go anywhere else but usually schools are in a city and Finding a life and finding an art community outside of your school community uh, can be very healthy, Um, especially if you have teachers who have priorities and um, ideals that aren't yours. Um, So finding another community is like super important, like creating safe spaces. I would take, I went to Micah and I would take Johns Hopkins classes yeah, <laughs> to get off campus. Um, and also uh, to also realize school, what you, your art assignments. I mean, you, I, I was a sculpture major, which is kind of boring, but I learned how to create, I learned like metalwork and I learned carpentry and, I don't do that for my art career anymore. Um, and I, so like what you learn in school can be important and what your teachers could prioritize. You can learn, but you can also try to be true to yourself and keep in mind that what your assignments are are not you. <laughs> yeah.
2: so. Oh, uh, question. Uh, you want to come up and ask? For anyone who can't see, someone's walking up to the stage. There. <laughs> and they, gra- they grab the mic. OK. Here we go.
12: Um, I guess this is sort of a hypothetical question. But um, if you are a person coming from a certain level of privilege, whether it's your gender, your race, or sexuality, or whatever, what qualities do you think make you would make you be a better mentor or teacher to someone who's different from you?
6: Um, it's part of the diversity, uh, this is John, Uh, it's part of the diversity conversation that we need to be having too in terms of people that do have privilege, like people that, because we all in our ways have certain types of privileges that can be actionable in certain unique ways. Um, And as the demographics of the nation and our industry change, like that's gonna ch- change as well. People will have certain amounts of privilege. Um, so how do you leverage that to help others too? Um, so I think it's like utilizing what you, understanding like, the context of where you sit in the room and what you can do to help people that, that are like you and how there are intersectional uh, relationships between certain issues that you can highlight and um, that you can work for So uh, as artists, though I think like this kind of goes back to the previous conversation of where, where do you find places outside of art school or or um, your your businesses or whatever like artists and activism that that's kind of a kind of a tricky intersection because like artists make really shitty activists sometimes because we're too busy like drawing on our tables and we don't know how to organize necessarily we don't necessarily know how to bring people together. Um, sometimes we would just rather sit in our rooms, right. Um, but at the same time, you can have an activist kind of uh, mindset or activist uh, uh, facet to your practice that is separate from your artistic practice too. So you can start to network with different groups. You could find places where there are people that share your interests and you can insert yourself there. Like I can maybe teach somebody how to draw. Like that is a skill that I bring to the table and I can go to perhaps like the Asian American Arts Alliance or whatever and, and be a mentor in that capacity. So it's identifying what you're good at, I think. Um, that's part of what illustration is about, right? You have to find your voice, you have to find your edge, you have to find out like what, it, it, you have to be kind of introspective, you have to be kind of observational, you have to know yourself, um, and you have to leverage those things, and I think that the more that you know yourself and the more that you know the historical context of that, the better you are in the position to help people. So, but I, I don't think everybody can do everything, and I think that like that's totally fine, right? Yeah, uh, oh, sorry. Uh,
12: I just wanted to, I mean, for like, example,
5: <laughs> or, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's mentors neither. Just mentor totally from two Can you a
12: uh,
5: Um, Chiyama's question was um, I know it in my head, but I can't say it again. Um, what uh, what um
3: what made this mentor you know, given that they maybe come from a different uh, background, maybe uh, have has like privilege that you don't. What what made them a good mentor for you, yeah. or not? <laughs>
5: yeah. I think. Yeah. I think, in the most simple terms, <laughs> one of the most important traits is empathy and realizing that even though you have privilege, you're never above anyone, whether it's a child, a student, someone older than you. If you have privilege, then that's just the perspective that you have, and you have something that you can teach and give to them. Um, So you just have to have empathy and not really assume things. Because at the end of the day, we all just want to draw pictures as a living, so it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, this is Richie, the mod.
2: It's me. Um, yeah, in terms of, like, it, it, I, I saw something, or I listened to it. It was uh, Charlie Kaufman speaking, I think, to BAFTA. He was speaking about screenwriting. It was really brilliant because he was like, I'm not going to tell you how to write screenplays. I don't, like, the way I write is just, that would be telling you, like, what I'm doing. But he did say about uh, where he starts screenplays and, like, storytelling. And I think his whole point was, he's like, you know, I like, what I know is what I know, but I still don't know anything. <laughs> like, you start off with like, I don't know anything. Like, I learned something today, and then tomorrow I might be like, oh, okay, well, you know. So I think there's a certain, like, uh, pride to have in yourself but also maybe, um, you know, a certain, like, humility of like, okay, this is what I know right now, but, you know, maybe next year or the year after, like, I'm always, there's always gonna be something else, to think it's something, you know, important to have for, like, the identity to be a, a mentor. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Oh, um, I guess also there's there's always no matter what common ground to be found between people, and it just is a question of what questions you ask or how you you choose to approach a relationship with somebody. Um, but I also just wanted to remark that um, you know I'm coming from a perspective as an art director, which I think is very much a, a kind of mentorship position, or at least that's how I view it. Um, in that it is essentially collaborative, you are working in collaboration with an artist, and you are working together as a unit to try to to produce excellent work, um, both from the position of, you know, whatever publication it is, but also for the artist to try to to get their best work into the world. And and so, you know, just over the past five years working in this position, I do, and I've also taught as well and I see this r- real similarity between these two roles of being a teacher, a mentor, and an art director and um, I guess it's just important to view art direction in that way because essentially all all illustrat- illustrators end up working with an art director and I think empathy in that role is very important as well in terms of understanding where an artist is coming from, what experiences they're bringing to it, um, what what their interests are as a person um and i think to be able to make assignments as an art director for illustrators um so that they can approach topics from a perspective of truly caring about what they're doing um to me that's very important
3: um i wanted to i wanted to yeah i mean it's very it's very specific though like i mean it's So for me, and I don't know how good I am at it, but I, you know, I try to continue to be better at it, Um, you know, compassion, empathy, absolutely. Uh, One of the things I think it comes back to the safe space. So like, okay, creating a space where someone who uh, maybe has a different, you know, like maybe a, a different sort of walk than I have maybe has to deal with like being open to the idea of like maybe there's this person is bringing more to this experience than I'm seeing even like so in terms of like uh, marketing and promotion like you know I wouldn't I can't necessarily say that to someone like maybe I'm dealing with someone who has some sort of a trauma or they're, they're, they're experiencing the world it, like I don't even see the barriers, you know. Like so, for me, I just walk into a room and I'm like, "Yeah, I got to pop, and let's go." You know what I mean? But for them, they may have it's it's different. Like you're, they're looking at a room full of people who are, you know, maybe like throwing darts, like violence, all types of things at them that I don't I don't even see. So like, what I try to do is I try to create a space, um, whether it's a dialogue about the work, uh, about procedures, about like price, about um, all of that where we can kind of, like, play that out in a safe space um, so that later on they can do it and try not to be frustrated if I feel like, you know, why didn't you do that, though? Like, I told you, like, this is what you need to do. Like, kind of being open-minded about maybe I don't see the whole picture, you know? And actually, in a a case of, I think, all mentorships, what's really important is you're learning something from that person, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's a two-way dialogue. So I think what makes... Any mentorship, good, like even if you have a type of privilege that the other person doesn't, is that like okay? Well, you're learning some shit and be, be
2: quiet, you know, yeah. and listen, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, oh, do you have something else to add? Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah, I want to add a little because I've uh, definitely. This is Yao speaking in case you didn't
2: hear it the (laughs) the first time
4: when i started out i uh even when i was in school i definitely had a lot of help from people who were my mentors and i would just say it's very hard to um especially if you're in a specific space you can seek out people who are exactly like you but sometimes you are where you are and freaking out about all of this stuff because there are not a lot of people who are like you and i i I think from the the mentor and the person being mentored you have to keep it you have to keep an open mind and that's why you can't just make anyone your mentor or you can't just like take someone under your wing be like you are like my student now or whatever. Like you, and then you you just just grab them. Yeah, yeah, you can't just like (laughs) you look like you're cool. I want you to, uh, I want me to mentor you so I can like own your (laughs) success or whatever. So like, (laughs) so you kind of have to meet the right person who like they let you be you but you also let them be them and it's a relationship that grows so you might have different ideas about things when you first meet because you're different people and later it might change the both of you and that's I I think the beautiful thing about having our job as something in common because you can always relate something back to something that you both know Uh, so I think it's definitely very helpful like I'm happy to like mentor someone who's Asian, who's a woman, who's queer, but like do I really have to like that's that's gonna be like me assuming uh, because we have the same labels you are me i'm, I'm you <laughs> like that's yeah, like dangerous. yeah and it's very dangerous and like, and like the help
2: itself might be yeah, it's like relative sometimes
4: yeah like it's only relative so and then you might come to someone who's like wait you i think you're just like me and then they are not like you at all and then you demand them to be more like you because you think you share the same labels and then like it doesn't always happen
2: yeah uh oh uh, another question, yeah, got a question okay sure sure
1: We got a question on Twitter from Martin G., who's an uh, illustrator and art director. He said, uh, what do you tell teachers tired of political correctness slash walking on eggshells who feel like they can't criticize a student or their work? Then he says, should we work from within to create change? Um, He also comments that he works at Time magazine. Um, Time did a story about about more diversity at Marvel, and diversity can make money, too.
3: (laughs) Well, that's... Yeah, uh <laughs> I mean, that's certainly the angle right.
2: Now. Yeah, uh who 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 wants to go first on this? I feel like I feel like everybody has Okay.
3: <laughs> okay, okay.
2: All right, all right, all right. Uh uh Ron. Alright,
3: okay, so but
10: <laughs>
3: Alright, like so so what Ronald. So like what I was saying before was you know When you know how I have a buddy of mine who's a professor and like yo, he's a radical, like he's a he's a punk, right? Like an OG punk from like seventy, the mid seventies, right? Um, Also a person of color, right? And he was speaking to me. And he's like, man, I never thought that I would get to a point where I would feel like I'm the square guy in the room, like I'm the man, like I'm the establishment, like I don't know what to, I don't know what's going on, like you know, everyone's queer, like this, that, and the third, and like I don't know, like which adjectives, pronouns to use, you know what I mean? And it's like, but from a position of like, yo, I want to do right, but I also feel like I'm caged, right? And I'm like, yo, dude, but here's the thing, man, like, um, you're feeling the the feeling that you're having is actually like you're experiencing what these people always feel so like now at this point in time in history like we're getting to a point where if you've always had the privilege to just kind of like be a bull in a china shop and like yo i'm just me like a big swinging dick like i do this (laughs) you know like you know now all of a sudden it's like oh well maybe i should you know like everyone and as a and as a person of color like you can kind of vibe with that you can understand like okay well There was a time, maybe it's a little safer for me in this space now, but there was a time where I felt kind of cloistered and like, I can't be myself. I can't say that. And kind of to activate that space in a helpful way is to make like, you know what? If, you know, if I'm going to be uncomfortable, like we all about to be uncomfortable, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to learn today. You're going to learn actually how to make me feel safe in this space, right? And like, that's what they need to understand. It's like, just because... People are being, not being politically correct doesn't mean that, you know, (laughs) he's being offended now or he feels out of, you know, out of place now. But people were always feeling out of place. People were always, you know, Feeling the way he feels now is what I don't know if I'm putting it properly. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah.
4: You said every 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 word that you said. I wanted to say oh. too. It was super great. Uh, this is Yao too, and <laughs> you guys are gonna laugh at me every time. No. Uh, it, it,
2: it breaks any tension, you know, any any awkwardness.
4: Yeah. Say so, your name every time. Yeah. So I totally agree. In, in school, it I'm just like it, it's a feeling that a lot of people would have and since they are still living and they're still working you can see that it didn't it would not like just ruin your life and uh, and then there is a certain level of like people feeling now less human for uh, if you know if their label is a straight white guy I've definitely seen people just being really 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 bummed out about it, it was like I'm, I'm sorry but this is like change that you are experiencing in your lifetime like in your generation this is like a thing that is happening now and you're feeling your resistance to it and this is normal like you're you're not alone (laughs) so uh, I think for Teachers in general, um, or anyone who has this kind of concern, I, I think we do like acknowledge like this is also a human experience. Because as we humanize ourselves as marginalized people, like we we do need to also consider other people as people. Um, and then people do have a natural reaction to resistance when they feel like everybody hates them. Uh, so I can't say that oh because you're a straight white guy like you're not a person you don't have feelings and whatever you're doing right now you're just like a walking stereotype of your privilege and i don't care of anything that comes out of your mouth that's like also not something that i do
2: <laughs> yeah actually uh this is richie the mod uh i actually want to jump in, like how smooth that was yeah uh i also want to jump in just because uh it's kind of like i i kind of think about like if someone's carrying like a hundred pounds like like a, th- like a million pounds their mm-hmm. whole life and someone has never carried any of that like specific weight yeah yeah like, you'll carry a pound <laughs> yeah carry a little bit um and then someone grabs like five of those pounds I'm like oh my god it's so heavy and it feels like that and it's like mm-hmm. they don't understand because they haven't felt it so they're just kind of looking like oh i'm just carrying i'm also carrying something you know it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's like not being specific um and i think what well, yeah i was talking about it's it's kind of like the idea of uh it's interesting, like, the idea of d- diversity as, like, change, when it's like diversity is natural. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're not, you're not changing to a new world. You're just changing. You're, like, you're getting rid of the stuff that's actually not real in a way. Yeah. yeah.
4: I always use the analogy of like someone walking and then someone's like driving in a tank. And I was like, yeah, yeah, walking, people are like, "Oh my god, walking is so tiring." You're like on your feet. I was like, yeah, you know, like this is how people walk. And you're just driving a tank the whole time. And
2: uh <laughs> No, 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 no. Pe- people drive yeah, everywhere, right? Uh, yeah. Yes.
4: And then like when they get out of it they're like, "Man, like the air smells bad. Like I have to like be on my feet. Like this is like I don't know. Like I don't Rocks like on the it. ground. <laughs> you you, you got to Yeah. I was like, if you are like not in your tank, the time, maybe we can like all ride bicycles, but you're like <laughs> not going back into your tank, and then we don't have enough tanks for everyone. Like that's another. <laughs> it's like another thing. People are like, I want to stay where I am in my privilege. I just want, y- like, you all to like be where I am. Like everyone should be treated like me. It was like the way you're treated is not natural. Like it's <laughs> yeah. Except so the tank yeah, is
5: made I, out. I love that analogy. So uh,
1: how do you get out of the tank?
4: Yeah, oh, uh, uh, yeah, so Mark in well, the yeah. audience asked, uh, how,
6: "How do you how do you get out of the tank?" Well, I open a latch first, like at the top, and then you <laughs> yeah, like, the like <laughs> you like push ups. You have to do some push ups <laughs> first. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, um, but I think like to speak to that like teaching's hard, right? Teaching should be hard, and I think if somebody comes up like yo, I don't know how to critique this person. But you're critiquing them on the basis of their their, their labels, or, or you don't know you you're tiptoeing on eggshells or whatever. It's like, are you really trying to help this person make the best art that they can? Like, are you looking at this image and saying like, okay, what is your intent for this image? What uh, you know, what kind of story you're trying to tell? Like, how can I best help you tell this story? And man that's like teachers need to realize that that's, that that's part of teaching right like yeah. you're not you don't go up there and just like you have this position you have this cool hat or <laughs> you know you, you have all of the tassels and stuff yeah but no no it's you got to you're helping these kids right they're looking to you yeah. to better themselves right so that's that's a that's very difficult um, to speak to the diversity in the economics issue, too, like that's also a big thing. I can't stand it, man, when people are like, it needs more diversity. Mm. What does that mean, man? Like, what, it, like, what does that mean? It's like,
2: uh, it's like, a, it's like a seasoning.
6: Yeah, something. but like, client, well. It's like a, da- like a dash. Cli- yeah. Diversity. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I, you know, sometimes I get that in client work, right? They're like, it needs more diversity. And it's like, well, what does that mean? They're like, yeah. well, make that person black. I'm like, oh, it's a one person, oh, like one black person at a wedding. How about I make the entire wedding black? Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. no, no, no. I'm like,
10: well, it's like yo, you should
6: have told me. it's a me black what- wedding. Right, right. <laughs> But the reality of it, too, like, so to speak to, like, an uh, Asian, specifically a Chinese um, standpoint, like, <laughs> in and, and Hollywood, they're realizing that, oh man, China is a huge industry, right? There's, there's a huge film industry that we can tap into there. It's like, maybe we can start putting some Chinese people into films and, like, start making money, like, in China by workshopping these things and, and realizing that, oh, Chinese people would like to see themselves on screen. It's like, yo, me too. Like, Chinese American, hello? Yeah, like, <laughs> so, but there's a weird dichotomy where it's like, hey, I, I realize it's for economic purposes. I, At the bottom line, this is gonna help s- sell more movies. But if it gets like a couple Chinese American people into the film and it gives them opportunity and that opens the door, I kind of have to live with that evil and it kind of sucks, right? But it, it kind of sucks, but it's also like, at least it's happening. But I don't know. Yeah.
3: I, I think it also comes back to the means of production, right? Like, it's yeah. what I wanted to talk about. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you could put avatars or you can put whatever you, uh, actors in there. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, what about the writer? What about the producer? You know, like, you have to change things in the production, like the editors. Yeah. You have to change that, you know, to – or else it's just like, I don't know. There's a spectacle of diversity, right? Like, yeah. so, well, this is good branding this is good you know we're, we're we're looking after the market because like well yeah we want chinese dollars but do we really want to like pay people to yeah. you know you know to, to build this do we want to give the agency to the filmmakers or to the cartoonists who are going to put out their story Nah, not really you know like that that's a, a complete paradigm shift no what they'd rather do is put like you know chunky style tomato you know like whatever you know like different you know, and that's good for their brand. You know, like yeah.
2: I mean, it's <laughs> that's pretty much. Uh, I mean, you know, like creamy
3: vodka
10: marinara. You know,
2: like that's all it is. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, uh I, I, I was, I was actually gonna ask about like the the idea of like, we always talk about like content, mm-hmm. and like, oh, we made this. You know, it's always like, oh, don't make this character like black or Asian, whatever, or like, oh, it's good that they made this character black or whatever. Um, but it's kind of like. Do you think it's like indicative of like, uh, people argue like whether the images are powerful,
6: but like everybody knows the positions are powerful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I think everyone's so scared to be labeled a racist or labeled a sexist. They're more scared of being labeled a certain thing than actually changing themselves to be anti-racist, yeah. anti-sexist. <laughs> oh yeah. clap, clap all the time,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to add time.
4: something. Uh, this is Yao. I think in a capitalist market, it, there's like a certain kind of respect that you know that someone is giving you when they're like, your demographic group, it's driving the economy right now. Like People who are like, you have money now to buy things and we haven't been making things that you buy and then we are freaking out so we're making all of them right now because your money is going elsewhere. We don't know where. So there's like, a lot of um, a lot of brands caught on the the LGBT train last year. With some people did it really badly, some people did it really well. But the, the like my like the nightmare is just like well, you know, one day the diversity train is gonna fade. Like what if like you know all the Asian women are always poor and then you are just not, never in any films. Like it, but it is like what it is what it. Is and I think it needs to um, yeah, like you said, the content is is one thing, um, but then whoever's actually making it, like they need to be getting the job so they have the money so that they get more respect. A
3: unique a unique, you know, something that's interesting when you said that. Well, if your person or your identity is a valuable commodity even outside of you, like if you're an Asian woman, like maybe you don't want to be in the books the way they want to put you in the books yeah. you feel me so like just being there is not necessarily a good thing yeah. you know like birth of a nation probably had some black actors in it
4: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah
2: it, it
3: did
4: you know
2: yeah yeah
3: during
4: some no, scenes i always say that
3: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, yeah.
10: <laughs>
7: they're working though i i wanted to i wanted to come on something um this is shannon i i always get kind of like skeptical when i see uh like a black person in a movie that i'm like wait I feel like they were just like forced in this movie. <laughs> I was like it's, like, it's like a long shot. Yeah, it's like a long like. shot. And then I'm like, like if you're if you're if you're making these movies, and we're just gonna stay on the like movie topic. If you're making these movies to meet a quota, you're kind of like not not getting the point of it like yeah just because you're like putting this like token black person or token like asian person or a gay person or just anyone in these movies to be like see i did it like i'm i'm all for diversity like are you really for diversity are you really and that term diversity again Um, It's it's
2: so it's so tricky because it's like it's wide enough yeah yeah uh yeah, there's a uh, we have an online question. Have
7: you ever felt like you've been hired
0: because of your identity and not because of your portfolio, and then felt the same thing <laughs> as an illustrator? Yeah. Yes.
7: Yeah. Black History Month. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I, I kind of get nervous around. I kind of yeah. It's still February, and, uh, I, and, and I
2: Isn't it Isn't it like an extra day too? Yeah, yeah. So it's extra day a, this I, year.
7: It's a leap year. <laughs> but yeah, I I, I I get extra nervous and and i kind of and i kind of noticed it this month i i try not to but you were getting like more jobs and i was like wait something something's different like <laughs> oh wow it's black history month and then and then you want to step back and tell them you know i i work the rest of the you know <laughs> year <laughs> but it it's 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 kind of frustrating. It's it's really frustrating that you're getting hired for these jobs because you're like, well, we need that black person to do this Black History Month thing or this like racial based or it, yeah yeah no, no 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 that's no I'm getting worked oh, up now <laughs> yeah. no go ahead
4: yeah mm, no I'm, uh-huh. oh yeah. okay you can go first.
6: Well, just real quick like to tie it back specifically to illustration we were talking about these movie issue, movie issues and then also the tokenism that happens when you you know, it's really difficult, because the trouble with identity politics is that it becomes personal, right? And if it bleeds into your work, then it is in your work, and then people are looking at that, and identifying with you. But the problem is that there isn't enough imagination to think that an Asian person can put their pencil on the paper and then not make like an Asian-y thing, or like a black thing, or we get put into these boxes simply because of the identity, but simply because the cultural production is not there to realize that the second my pencil touches that paper, it doesn't matter what I draw. It is Asian-American art, period. Mm-hmm. It's black art, period. Mm-hmm. And it can be anything, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the the power of illustration, I feel, and the power that we have in terms of uh, create our own content is that we provide the imagination. We're not necessarily leaders, we're not politicians, we're not activists necessarily, but we provide imagination for people to see the possibilities. Yeah. And I think that's the important part.
4: Uh, oh, okay, you, you, you know. said something really great. Um, but I. I would say that there is definitely that, and as an Asian illustrator, I would say like, as illustrators, we work for content that's already been decided, so there is like quotas of, like most of the articles that Need Asian things are mostly foreign policy, so I would say like you're hired for your identity, but you know how many articles really are gonna be there in mainstream media about Asian Americans. So like it's it is like how you are, but but if you're if that's the box that you ended up putting into, like are you gonna like go with the uh like how many articles are gonna be published about queer people of color? and then that's when you lose work you know yeah, yeah i mean yeah, yeah. uh oh do you have something
8: yeah no i was just gonna say it's a tricky thing you know uh, yes <laughs> as someone who hires for editorial and frequently you know has to commission artwork for topics that are very specific um I, I do actually often think it's important to try to find an illustrator that can understand the issues within that article. And, and I don't mean like foreign policy, but I mean, you know, frequently I'm hiring for personal essays. Um, and so actually one example is on the wall here, an artist, um, Jun Sen, who's Korean, and the author was Korean. Um, and. And I matched them together, and they actually ended up having a conversation—the two of them, the author and the illustrator—and making that kind of match. You know, even if their um, experiences as um, are completely different, they—I still think that it's important to to have to make that kind of match um, because ultimately, you know, I wouldn't. In, it's like hiring a, a female artist to do something on abortion i don't really want to hire a male artist quite as much like Mm -hmm. for for issues about um a certain kind of experience i want somebody who's experienced that
3: yeah Yeah. i wanted to it's very complex uh ronald (laughs) um ron 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 so it's something really interesting about uh there are a lot of artists, though, and this is one of the things I realized about comics, uh, in particular, black cartoonists who they work in house styles, like, and they're they've been working hard. They basically built a foundation uh, for artists like myself mm-hmm. to maybe even capitalize on the commodity of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, they worked nearly invisible like sometimes i'll look back at the history of comics and like yo, they were drawing whatever you know superhero stuff that i mean i didn't personally read but like a lot of people read it you know and they were out there and like that their identity wasn't you know forward on the page and like yo in a weird way it both it's empowering and it breaks my heart that like i don't know when i think about the content i'm like these people just like they just did their job like they You know and their identity wasn't a part of the work and I think there should be a space for that and a space for you to be like well this is a you know this is a particular area where I have some expertise or my experience will inform the work I think it should I think people who are not white men should have that option and I think um when we're talking about uh, I guess uh, economically like the the what was it we're talking about um do I get, or like, do, you know, capitalizing on my identity? Well, of course I do. Yeah. But like, so do uh, white heterosexual men. Like, we're all, you know, like, when it comes down to it, like, maybe that's the default. Like, you know, so on Black History Month comes, it's like, wow, okay, so this is the month where I get to be like, you know, that dude. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm getting the jobs right now. Like, I'm the first person you think about. Yeah. You know, like, so I think it's maybe... Whenever I get whenever I get get that sort of a question, I like to flip it and kind of think about you know well describe what it's like in the privileged position like apply that to a privileged person like that same question mm-hmm. if you're talking about like using your identity.
2: Yeah, do uh, we have another online question? We have so many questions. Uh, yeah, uh, can I just, oh.
12: I just want to. I don't know if that's on this topic, but I had a question on this topic. It's, right? it's different. You can go. Through. Okay. I just.
2: You know
1: the
7: art the the
2: art yeah come on down
7: there you
12: go. All right. as from the art directors point of view um, you know and, and I I don't work in editorial so I don't I don't I work in sci-fi so you know it there's there's sometimes sometimes specific in, issues of diversity come up or not but I still find myself uh, choosing people to relate to certain things in the story that maybe have a you know a background that relates to it or not. What I'm curious about is a lot of times I'll find as an art director as I meet people or not I'll be like oh I didn't know they were black or oh I didn't know they were Asian and some and the na- and a name has a lot to do with that too. Some people it's just obvious um, or not and you and you make assumptions about it. How do you guys each? Navigate that line in your work like some of you, you know are talking about, you know having the issues of of your representation in your work And some some of you don't as much um, How do you guys navigate do you feel like it's it's part of your responsibility to make it obvious that you are? Asian or queer or a woman or not in your work, or is it 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 does that not have an, an impact?
7: No, I Oh
3: Oh. Isn't it obvious that like Bob Dylan is like a you know, a straight Jewish guy? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like so I, I think about it. Looks like, but. Right, but I mean, even in works in general, authors. But I'm sorry. No, no, no. You
4: can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean,
3: to to get uh, maybe to springboard off of what I just had previously said, um, I think this is a you we're looking at it. As something exceptional for people who are maybe marginalized, but like, it's not that it's not that exceptional. Like a lot of artists, like primarily, even if their name is like, uh, you know, Joe Jackson, which would you know, maybe you know, <laughs> cause you don't know, yeah. Yeah, right, right, know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like then you 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 see the art or you know, whatever, and you're like, okay, well, their identity is forward i think in most you know like pick a pick pick a comic that's written and drawn by like some white men it's like their identity is right there like it's boom it's right there on the page so i think like most artists uh, you do if you're a person of color and you and you have to work in that sort of pastiche or like that sort of then like you do the job mm-hmm. and I think even more so than someone who maybe is like a white
6: man. Yeah, totally. I, I, it took me a while to get to this place, but I don't view my Asianness as a liability. I, I think it's a position of strength, and I think that the art historical like traditions that inform my background can inform my work in new, meaningful ways if I'm willing to contextualize them in a like, uniquely American kind of setting. So that's a big thing for me, but also like, it took me a long time to get to that point. And that also doesn't mean that I can't not do something that doesn't require that background. I can inject 10% of myself in something, or if I'm lucky enough, I can put 95 to 100% of all my being like, into these particular pieces. If I'm know, if I get that, that's great. But I'm also talented enough as a designer and drawer, hopefully, if it's not trash, I, <laughs> <laughs> I can solve all these other issues too. So I, I, don't, I don't view it as a liability. And I think it's important for my psyche to think of it as not a liability. Um, because I was at the point where I was viewing that as a liability. I grew up in the South, right? And I, there's. Two Chinese Filipinos, just me and my brother. Like we're the only ones in like a city of one million people, and trying to reconcile that and like growing up in the growing up in the Deep South, like it's 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 really difficult. And I didn't get to that point where I could talk about this stuff, much less draw about it, um, until maybe like two or three years ago. So it takes a lot of work, um, but I think developing an awareness of myself alongside the technical skills allows me to operate from a position of strength. So I don't mind if people want that, and I don't mind if people want my drawing ability as well.
9: Um, this is Kathy um, Well like Sometimes I think I'll make something And it'll be like so queer And then no one sees it Besides other queer people <laughs> You know <laughs> um, I, Because I think it's like a It's a question of privilege Because uh, if you ha- Have privilege In certain ways you don't have to consider um, These things When you're approaching it And then I think in order to be to kind of fight that and be um, anti-homophobic and anti-racist is just kind of a question of just trying to educate yourself and, like, learn people's backgrounds and not make assumptions and stuff. I'm not saying it's you. I'm just in general. <laughs> it's, like, it's
2: like something, like... Because there's always something you can do if someone doesn't, like, want to do it just, just because they want to. And yeah. not for any other, like, oh, like, I should because... Yeah. But just, like, I want to. I, yeah. th-
9: I feel like being sometimes you just have to be very deliberate to fight your privilege. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, I
4: wanna say something. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, This is Yao. Uh, I actually worry about it quite a lot um, because I left school two years ago, so I'm still relatively new in doing freelance illustration work uh and then i would say like when i don't meet people directly uh, from my name you can definitely tell i'm chinese but you can't tell i'm a woman and you definitely like i won't even be like hey how are you i'm queer like you definitely not know i'm queer <laughs> so like i like when i have when i hand people my business cards when i email people or when i send portfolios or when i design my website uh or even just like how i write my twitter bio uh I'm actually always worried. Are people gonna assume that I am going to be uh, specializing in Asian stuff like I just happen to also be about well, worst in Chinese culture my mom's a researcher like I just like, know that stuff but like I worry like people would stash my card away and be like oh wait told we have a foreign policy problem or we'll wait until it's Chinese New Year's and um, we'll, we'll give this article about brain health to someone else so I do worry about it and then sometimes I uh, I have I have like come up with like fake names before. It's like when you're at Starbucks and you just don't want people to call your name or like yeah. if you're in like an elevator full of men, like all of a sudden someone opens the door for you. It's like, oh my God, well, I'm a woman. Like you just like woke up. <laughs> and then like sometimes I feel like for people with a, a name, you know, if it's just like not my name, Uh, Like when people meet you or when they see your card, it should be like a blank piece of paper and then they can, I can tell them whatever I, I want to tell them. And uh, I sometimes feel like I am losing that initial, um, control over my marketing and my branding because people have pre um, conceived assumptions about how this is so anything that happens after that is going to be counter or like an affirmation It's like oh wait yeah okay this is where like the Chinese stuff come in or like wait they like didn't do anything Asian related that's so weird so like that's a pre thing that happens was that like, I can't reverse that I, I, I live with it so that's my feeling
2: Okay, uh, yeah, actually, oh, uh, someone else want to say something? Yeah. One more thing?
5: Um, okay, yeah, sure. I think there's a huge spectrum of visibility. Like, you see the name Odara Ibokwe, and if you know, like, Nigerians are like, that's an Ebo nigerian person. <laughs> it says it in the name. Um, you see my work, and it's representative, and it's like, well, they're drawing all black characters as default. Um And in my Black History Month series, looking for different artists, I was super surprised because I'd like have a list of 50 people and I'd have to cross off 10 because I'd be like, this isn't a black person, this is like a white guy doing children's books of black people. (laughs) And it was like, it was, on one hand it was like, Inspiring that they were doing this work because it had visibility, but on the other hand, it was like, are they benefiting and commodifying like black beauty if they're only drawing like black characters as their entire body of work? And so, maybe like, where do they where do they get those images from? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, how personal are those? Exactly. Yeah.
10: Uh, <laughs> exactly. Hey,
2: that's a good question. Uh, so this question is actually from Ron. <laughs> Who's on the panel?
10: <laughs>
2: and it's for Ron. No, it's not. <laughs>
10: um,
2: the question is, it's, you know, what about when you're hired to represent your perceived identity, but it's not your identity?
10: <laughs>
2: I. Uh, oh, will yeah, yeah, read the rest too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a good example. <laughs> I don't know if you want me to read it. I.e., like, you know, quote unquote, hey, black guy, draw this rap comic, or like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't like rap though. I'm from Utah. I'm, I'm in the Mongolian throat singing. Or <laughs> Ron, Ron wrote that. That was good. That was good. What about that though? <laughs> yeah, but,
5: but, but, but yes. What, what about that?
3: Hmm. Has that ever happened?
5: That hasn't happened to me, but I think if you're an illustrator who is underrepresented it, and it is a job that you want to take, you
9: have that privilege yeah. to take that job because you don't have a lot of privilege.
7: <laughs> yeah.
9: Um, I think it's important to get paid, but <laughs> um, also uh, I kind of purposely don't take jobs that are like it's a queer book, everyone's queer, ha, 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 I think I don't. <laughs> like I kind of purposely am not into that because I'm like, uh, why are people picking this book up? Is it, like, uh, is it for artistic reasons? <laughs> it's just not something. You I don't know. feel like
2: it's like being like consumed, like, oh cool, like now it's. Yeah, yeah.
9: I don't want to be like mm-hmm. the queer cartoonist, you know, yeah. Yeah. I want to be Kathy.
2: <laughs> oh well, yeah, yeah. Also she I wants. I
9: think to. if like someone's like, hey, she's a
4: queer cartoonist. She's not an Asian cartoonist. Like that's a weird, like, nice way of saying it. And then like it, you are always like on this roll of like all of your labels. Like which one's gonna <laughs> land on like face first? Like am I gonna be? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, there's there's that too. Like, I would be in a queer book because they would need, like, queer people who are color in it. And then I'm like, I I would want to be in that book. So it depends Um, on, like,
2: how many... It's like your your personal intersections, too. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. for some person, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Other person's like, oh, this is like a relief that I get to, like, now jump to, like, this one.
3: I want to just say something real quick. I mean, those books are cool. I I did do the rap comic. Like, my my editor actually is out there in the audience. And, like, I do like rap. I just wanted, that was just
2: for the, you know, playing devil's devil's advocate. Uh, 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 a hypothetical. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we have so many questions. Uh, we have a online question, audience. Okay. Uh, she had a. Which one? Yeah. Okay. Whoever had it first, just come on up. Get her to, to the to the microphone. Any microphone. You need
3: one of the mics <laughs> from Presses, right? Oh, you made it all
13: the way. Man, cool dress. Um. Okay. Uh. I guess, like, first, I actually do have an answer to that question. I once was, like, tapped to do, like, they, it was a, I don't want to name names, because it happened very recently, um, where I was tapped to do something specifically, because, like, this publisher was looking for women of color illustrators, mm-hmm. and uh, when I got the script, it was very very specific to an identity that was not mine to the point that I felt like very uncomfortable and I was like well now you're just picking me to like say like you know we have a woman of color on here which is like it sucked because it was like on one hand I was like I'm glad you went out of your way to do that but on the other hand I wish you like like looked at like My work and looked at the content and like paired it and thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And then it, I had to have like a very uncomfortable like email conversation that didn't end well, but well, it ended as well as I could make it end, (laughs) but it wasn't (laughs) amazing. Anyway, um, I wanted to ask about like, for example like when you're like writing your stories i feel like there's sort of sometimes a burden or like a baggage of like wanting to make your protagonist like the same like your identity but then being kind of afraid to have like that like since for example like as an asian woman there's not as an asian american woman there's not many like asian american protagonists so then it becomes like a burden to make your representation like the perfect representation, and it and so it gets kind of daunting to the point that like okay maybe I'll just like make a white character like make her like half white or something like that to like sort of compromise that. Is there like anything you guys do to get over it
6: or? Well, I think um it's everybody's prerogative, right? I was kind of talking about you know, your only responsibility is to be honest. If you're writing a story, everyone tells you to write from your own experience. So what that means to you might be different than what it means to other people. So, you know, there's, there was a book published recently about a, uh, from a Chinese American writer that was living in Brooklyn about the Deep South. And he had never set foot in the Deep South. And it was a great book. Like it, was, it was a very actually nuanced, like detailed representation of the South and he had never actually visited there. Um, but then all the critics were jumping on him, like, oh, you're a Chinese American. You don't, you don't know what that's like. You don't know what the Deep South is like. Because obviously there's no Chinese in the South, which is wrong. But, um, <laughs> but it's also like they just didn't believe that he had the craft to tell this particular story, um, which again kind of goes into like, well, you have to tell this story because you are Chinese. So when somebody's like telling you what to do, then that becomes a little bit problematic, right? It's like, you expect me to create this certain type of work. And on that grounds, I would be like, no, like, I I can do whatever. Um, But it's also, we have to open up the doors in terms of like, a white male artist, can he draw something, like, can he draw a person of color? Can he draw a perspective? It's like, absolutely. Every editorial job that gets uh, put out, like, probably 99 other artists could do that. But the fact that you got chosen means that you have to bring to the table your own experiences and that, you know, that's up to you. Uh, it should be up to you.
4: Yeah, I feel like, a, um, I mean, when you are, if you were offered a job, I would just say take it. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Just don't even like, ask. Because they're, yeah, like, and then you can do your own spin on it, like exactly how you think it is. If someone comes back and be like, this is generic, which is like a thing that uh, does happen a lot, people are like, this is generic. And I'm always like, you know, this is what actually happens in my life. If you think it's generic, this is how I live. Like, I can, like, like, I have this, like, it's like a chronic thing that happens when you're an Asian woman, and everyone knows what you're talking about. And I was like, that's that is something that is wrong, the way that uh, people who look like me are treated, and then now everything I write, it's like everyone else is writing because everyone is treating someone in a very generic, non-creative way, and then, like, my work is hurt by that Um, so that's like I was like if you want me to put like a creative spin on it I don't have any because that's like how that's that's how it is uh, or sometimes you have like something that's really quirky and people are like wait that's like does that really happen you're like yeah like <laughs> it's um, so I would say like if it is your personal experience and you feel like it doesn't represent like n- you're not supposed to to do it, and then it's it's partially your reader and your audiences responsibility to to take everything with, with critical thinking. Uh, I also think you have oh. to, this is Odara, yeah. um, you'll have to
5: recognize not every piece will be your magnum opus. Mm-hmm. Um, you will draw many Asian characters. If you do one and it's not, great then you'll draw more if it doesn't represent every aspect of who you are much less the entire population of asian women <laughs> then that's okay because you will continue to c- keep drawing i hope <laughs> yeah uh who, who's the next question
1: so um we oh. only have
2: time for one or two more questions oh no can, can we extend to three thirty? 30.
1: questions online if you want to maybe like us. Uh, All uh, behind uh, you uh, okay sh- yeah.
2: yeah uh okay yeah sure yeah Uh, yeah, yeah. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah. Thank you very much.
14: Yes, sir.
2: I really appreciate everyone coming up. I'm very thankful for this conversation. Um, I don't know how many of you ride the subway, but we always see the same stories on the ads in the subway. At least that's my perception. I'm curious, what stories are you tired of seeing, and what stories would you like to see more of? Uh. That's a good-ass question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so.
3: Or like,
4: in the ads or, like, in the where? Yeah, in the ads are the, that are just, like, Oh. open. Uh, I have a lot of
2: money behind yeah. them, and yeah.
4: Just
2: plastic like,
4: yeah. everywhere. I'm a little tired of the, the like, if you don't have a lot of money, you should go to art school mm-hmm. once It's, like, kind of, <laughs> it's, like, kind of not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a little bit.
3: Yeah.
2: Come on down.
5: All right. So, um, a story I'm tired of. Does this work? Okay. Hey. Um, a story I'm personally, as an illustrator, tired of seeing is um, uh, the struggle narrative. Um, like when a black illustrator gets hired to do a piece, it's usually about uh, it's usually about strife, affliction, and overcoming. Um, you know, and pretty much not showing any positive, uh, outcomes of being a black person in
11: America.
7: I was gonna speak on, um, and this has just been recent. Uh, it's been over a year with all the police brutalities. I think I'm, I, I, know I'm tired of seeing this, this, this picture of like this aggressive black person. Um, I, I'm gonna speak from a job I got approached on, which I, I turned down and I want people to know if you're not feeling comfortable with the job or it's not speaking to you, you can turn it down. Mm-hmm. I got approached to do a, a job that involved um, police brutality, killings of black women, and rape. And I straight up was not comfortable with that. And even though I could like identify with like what's going on in my community, I just, Fatigue and just based on how tired I was of that story, I didn't want to illustrate for that story anymore. Um, because we have this um, reactionary uh, pull that a lot of, I guess, storytellers and a lot of media and um, writers and directors are trying to get from us. I feel like um, they're trying to get this certain emotion pulled from us with a lot of these stories that I'm I'm not sure, and I, I can't speak for everyone in my community. I'm not sure they want to speak for. Um, I I can't. I I am kind of tired of tr- of like talking about that issue. I'm I'm tired of like protesting about that issue. I'm tired of of kind of like yelling into the void that I'm tired of this happening. And um, yeah, I guess I guess I'm c- kind of tired of those the struggle stories where it's always like from like. We're struggling to do this and struggling from like s- enslavement and this and that. And I, I'm not seeing enough stories where we exist on a spectrum. It's always we're either one way or another way. And we're not getting uh, the queer folks who are like doctors or the queer folks who are this way or Asian Americans who are this way or just um, marginalized people who who exist in different categories. It's always one way or the other. And I, I know I'm tired of those stories where it's always the extremes. It's either this black person who is and I hate this term, a thug, or it's the black person who's the token nerdy kid, and we 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 don't we aren't allowed to exist on another spectrum besides those two. And I, I don't know if that's happening in other communities where like you guys only exist in a certain way. Um, but yeah, those are those are the stories I'm tired of seeing a lot. I need I, I mean I know they need to get talked about, but it, it is tiresome. just speak on those all the time and illustrate
5: for those all the time Um, I think oh I think those are also very (laughs) (laughs) I think those are so tiring (laughs) because they're so painful it's like every week it's like there is a new black body at the hands of police brutality would you would you like to comment and it's like you know what I was earlier about the uh, the, uh, Um, spectacle yeah. Exactly, yeah, like consumption. Sometimes are more concerned with the spectacle than actual change. Um, I remember I was on Humans of New York, and the guy he saw me, and he was just like, "Ooh, this is great! I'm gonna go up to this guy and ask questions." He's like, "So, what's the hardest thing you've ever endured in your life?" And I was like, "I'm just, I'm like, I'm just trying to pick up this dog poop. I'm sorry." Tr- yeah. Um, and he was like, "So, so are you? Are you queer? Are you? Are you?" And I'm like, "I just like video games and Chun Li and." all these different things, yeah, and yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm most tired of seeing that contemporary slave narrative, whether yeah. it's in the Oscars, it's like you think of the movies that are, oh. that have black nominations, and it's like, well, you're either a prostitute or a slave, yeah. or it's like, what happened after the year 1900, yeah. nothing.
7: <laughs> yeah, nothing happened. You didn't do anything after
5: that. Uh, do we have another, another question?
7: Um,
0: firing off the uh
2: Okay. How, how how many internet questions do we have queued up? A 1000? Okay, that's not that bad. I'm okay. not going to tell you to keep your
0: answer short but keep your answer short. No. Okay. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> uh let's start.
2: We'll see what happens. <laughs> oh. Yes, yes, you may. Thank you.
0: Uh Okay, I think um we and I, I wanted to add we've we've been talking a lot about teachers and uh, content and all this thing that I see teachers as art directors that's how I treat my class as if I was an art director so having an art director on the panel uh, i curious to kind of open that up and to this question from the internet <clears throat> how do you guys balance talking about social issues social issues on your social media or in your life I guess publicly in an effective way without tarnishing your reputation amongst art directors and potential clients there you go
5: For me, I think if the way I speak about any issue that is affecting me or oppressing me, if that tarnishes my relationship, that potential person is not someone I want to work with. So it does the work for me.
4: Yeah, I think it's, I totally agree. It's just like if you are already like beating out people that you wish you'd never known in the future like that's kind of a favor that you do to yourself um, because if you were not speaking about it they didn't know that about you they hire you for a job and you disagree and you're like why am I at this place in my life working with this person you're reading that out of your life and there are plenty of people who want to hire you so yeah uh,
2: hey, uh I mean yeah I'll read them I'll read them <laughs> Okay. I now have the internet in my hands. Uh, let's see. Okay, wow, that's pretty good. Uh, the one, two at the top. The, the gray. Ones. The gray ones. Uh, okay. So, how do you guys feel about the direct market sale of comics and how it impacts uh, new talent and new voices from getting established and like, you know, maybe moving up the rungs. Um, you know, since it's all kind of like pre-sale driven, it's like established names uh, and publishers are kind of the only ones that benefit from it. Um. So what can be done to change this? Is that, sorry, I don't
9: know what direct market sales are. Yeah. Um, oh, it's maybe like that's you're selling, to,
3: selling okay. to stores it, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, you're yeah. To selling to yeah. the distributor to stores. I don't know, like, I think it's tiresome, <laughs> Ronald. I think it's tiresome, <laughs> T- tiresome. Um, from it's a weird, I mean, it's a weird place for me to speak from because like I've gotten to a position now where I kind of like, I don't know, that's like, that's my bread and butter I guess, you know. But for the people who are kind of moving in different circles, I think uh what's exciting I mean I just think the internet is exciting. Like I don't really even read a lot of like comics. Like I don't go to the comics. I get like Hellboy, that's it. You know, what I mean like I I think the internet is just I mean, how do you monetize? I don't know. I think uh if I were speaking to someone who's young and um trying to come up and, like, they're concerned with this topic, I would be, like, you know, be on the Internet, think about uh, alternative ways of monetizing, like, I don't know, maybe look into Patreon, maybe uh, look into you even take it to, like, coming out of the back of your trunk with something, except with the internet. You know, like you just, you're talking to people, individuals who, like I see, I forget what they call it, but there's something where someone can, um, they can give you a little bit of bread for your comic, and it's like, I just saw it online the other day, I forget what it's called though. Gum Gumroad. Yeah, Gumroad. Yeah. Yeah, Gumroad. Yeah. Gum you know what I mean? Like I think that's an avenue and some of the people online are getting more views. I don't know if they're making more money or like if they're but at the same time are the artists getting that money anyway, even in, you know, comics. You might you might get a better rate than someone working for Boom. I imagine you would. So that's that would be my advice.
4: Yeah, I would say, um I started self publishing my comics and I don't put them out for free ever. Like even if someone, like I I draw for Autostraddle, it pays $40 a strip, but it is not free. And then people do use the site and the site gets paid by sponsoring ads. And you know, like there's like, you are not part of giving something out for free and I I think it's uh, great that way like everyone should feel like they are reading your comics not like a piece of free flyer somewhere on the street and then like sometimes people work that way like you make them give you a little money and all of a sudden they respect you more and uh, I would say like you can start really small and then it's sometimes, like life, just gets really hard, and you need to figure out how to feed yourself. Like that's just a thing that everyone does. And I would just say, like, it might not happen overnight, and then it might not happen in two years, might not happen in ten years, but it maybe it will happen later, and you have to have that patience.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. So we have this another question from the internet. Uh, this one's for Yao and John. Uh, it's on the Asian American diaspora experience. There's a little, there's a little hyphen there too. Yeah, so. kind of the um, yeah. yeah. This is a little more to the question. Uh, so, and saying this is speaking from a Chinese American who grew up mostly in the U.S. Uh, do you guys ever feel kind of pulled between, kind of having two different backgrounds, and almost as if you're unqualified to accurately, you know, portray either cultural experience, Chinese versus American, in your work?
10: Uh,
6: Um, I'll try to relate this to a larger context because I don't think it's like, you don't want to hear me just rant about Asian Americans for two hours, although I could. Um, But (laughs) I think the one thing you got to realize is that Asian American uh, doesn't mean anything. That's a a political term that was invented in the 60s as a uh, radical reinvention of ethnic coalitions between different ethnic groups. So it's radical invention uh, in the 60s means we have to create it so you aren't representing Chinese you are you're not Chinese you're Chinese American you're Asian American you have a context that is very specific to yourself you probably feel the need to be Chinese but like for the most part you don't have that experience and so you shouldn't speak to that experience again be honest right you have to create your own so it's the most like liberating thing that I could think of is like I don't have to do that I shouldn't do that I should write about, I, actually draw, I drew Darth Vader, just, like, just not too long ago, in, contextualiz- in contextualized with a Filipino uh, death, like pre-colonial death mask, because they looked ex- exactly similar. And there was, there was connections there. There was connective tissue between these two things. But I wouldn't have arrived to that point until I realized that I had, I had to take the onus on myself to create this history. So yes, you, you don't have to speak to that, and you shouldn't, but you should work on yourself and make it for yourself
4: okay uh i'm gonna try to answer it but it's uh, like ultimately it is your experience as a person and there's not really like like the thing is there's not really like a american experience that you can represent and there's not really a chinese experience you can like if someone comes up to you and says that they can do that they're lying it's not real like it's like people would come up to you and want you to represent it. You have to tell them whatever you're imagining, it doesn't exist. Like, my life, it's it's my life, and I, like I don't even know, like I would say that I, Raised myself here for like 10 years I'm not going Back to China I don't have Citizenship like you tell me what My experience is and sometimes Like you are you Have a community which is and sometimes you don't have a community. And I would say if you do have a community, you also don't have to feel like your community's experience is yours. And then not everyone in that community, like you have some shared similarities and you have some stuff you can talk about. It's really great when you meet people who are like, oh my God, I feel that way too. But there's gonna be some part of you that's just you. Like maybe you like to read, you like to drive. Like, it's, (laughs) like, (laughs) and then, you know, and then you wanna, if you just, like, wanna make those comics about, like, random people you date, like, you should be able to just do that. And if someone, like, comes up to you and be like, wait, but, like, does that represent the Chinese-American experience? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, (laughs) um... One other quick note too, when I was talking about the radical invention of Asian
6: Americans, they got that from the yellow power, yellow power movement which is based off the black power movement. <laughs> so you talk about coalitions, you talk about being alone, you're part of the fabric of America and your natural allies are other minorities. Literally your definition of Asian American comes from the black power movement. So there is natural, you know, th- things that you have in common with other minorities. So look outside of your own communities and see what you have in common
5: with each other.
3: Or within your broader community.
5: Exactly, yes. Yeah, uh, this is Odara, I'm okay. not Asian American, but I can say <laughs> as someone of a diaspora that no one can take away any piece of your identity from yourself. You get to choose what you reclaim and take. Do uh, we have one more question? Time for one more question? We're done? Wrap it
2: up? Uh, yeah? <laughs> one more? <laughs> hey, I'm moderating. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <wait. laughs> hey, uh, one more? Anybody?
14: No, someone had
2: it. Somebody had it? Yes. Come, come on down. So, um, yeah, come on, come on. I'll just talk loud. Okay.
14: Creative director in children's publishing for so.
2: me. Actually, wait, come down because people on the internet might not be able to hear you yet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you. <laughs> internet, yeah it's, it's, for, it's for all of them. Creative
14: director in children's publishing. Um, actually, you are all privileged in, ha- in being in a field that I do think, in general, is culture blind. Race blind. I don't, if I saw any of your names besides an Asian name, I wouldn't know who you are. I only look at the artwork. And it sounds like all of you can market yourselves how you want to be. If you want to be a queer illustrator, you are one. If you want to be Asian. But it seems like we should also, I I, I hope, like I see a piece of yours on the wall. It's not about uh, African-American culture or anything, and that's what you get to do. So isn't it also great that you are here and you can market yourselves how you want to? Uh, you know, we do in publishing, we do try to find black illustrators to go with black stories. Not because we want to avoid bad reviews. It's because we want it to be an authentic story. Yeah, But we also could hire anybody based on their art only that's
2: Yeah, yeah I, uh, well, the f-
14: celebration of that, yeah. in all of you, you all get to be who you want, depending on how you market
2: yourself. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's, it's actually interesting because the. Cherry Tracks piece was actually the story wasn't specific about her uh, ethnicity so I actually made her dark assuming like I was just gonna make her like in my mind like a black woman without making her a black woman so in a way it kind of is it's kind of what I think I forget who said it earlier about like just the fact that I make it it already is um, and I, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird to connect it to like marketing, but it's almost almost kind of revealing at the same time because it's like, oh, if you market it, but it's like, who's expecting the who's in the market? Who's expecting that? So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's,
6: it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to connect it
2: in that type of way. I think.
6: I think also too, there's there's a danger that we have to think about. There are no numbers on illustration in terms of who's working in the field. And there's no numbers in terms of race, ethnicity, um, gender. Uh, sexual orientation, but if you look at every other field, every other creative field, it is majority white disproportionate to the actual population of the United States. So if you look at New York City, 75% um, of the people working in art in New York City uh, that have art degrees and are making all their money off of art they are white. New York City is 33% white, right? New York City is 15 or 13 to 15% Asian American and maybe 20% of the Asia, uh, t- 20% of the people that have art degrees are Asian American. Only 8% make their money. Then the the numbers are the same. It's like the numbers are the same. Every minority they're held into these single digits. So you're talking about the people that are hiring the people that are making the work. Does that really reflect the the racial reality? Same thing for Hollywood. Same same thing for publishing. So I'm looking at all of these things, and I see I see a pattern there. Um, I don't have the numbers. I can't tell you exactly what it is in illustration, but everything else in every other creative industry points to a reality that isn't reflective of what we're talking about, so.
4: Yeah, this is Yao. I, I would say like it's, uh, we can market ourselves however we want, but I would say it's it's very difficult and it's not flexible. Like you kind of get one or two shots and it, like, I think it's very difficult to get people to understand that I do want to do all the Asian stories and then some like other stories. And then you kind of are blocked off one way or another. Um, I think for for books, it might be a little better, but um, definitely for editorial you either like market yourself as like I can do all the asian stuff and then you kind of have to like really avoid doing it for people to like want to put you there because you're kind of running like on the uh a, a tabs of of things that you like people think you can do and then they kind of just like don't think of you for other things <laughs> Also just one, I
6: guess, final note on that point. Um, Diversity, when we talk about diversity, we talk about inclusion and we talk about having all of these voices. Illustration is such a, it's a creative industry. We can only be strengthened by having a lot of different voices. Think of all the art historical traditions. You just completely ignore because you don't learn about them in art school. You don't see them reflected in the current trends of illustration. If we had all these different voices contributing to a larger whole, all of our work would be better. Mm. All of our work would be better. There would be so many more avenues. So we think we have to think of diversity, quote, unquote, as a, as a strength yeah. uh, of the industry. Ron, Ron did you say earlier,
2: you said something like uh, uh, inclusivity by its very nature is meritocracy?
6: Yeah. Right, yeah. right. We want a normalcy of diversity. We want to become normal. That's it's
3: a, it's <laughs> so funny. You know, it's a funny thing yeah. because, um, Ronald, uh, <laughs> yeah, wrap it up. Uh, this is a, just a piggyback on what you just said. I found that if you do include uh, aesthetic traditions that aren't say you know uh, western like all of a sudden that gets othered and tokenized within your work you know like so if you wanted it okay like I'm influenced by like you know Indian uh Indian like the little the silkscreen paintings you know whatever like uh okay well you're you're like you're you're an Indian you I like how you mix up like Indian and in, a uh, hip-hop culture or whatever you know what I mean it's like what are you talking about, B? Like, it's an aesthetic tradition. It's like I'm American, first of all. Like, and it's all here. Like I'm in New York. So absolutely, I agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah.
2: Um, well two oh, mics. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll take two, two mics. mics. <laughs> uh yeah, so only had two hours and it's like it's still never enough time. And this will not be like we'll keep doing this was like part three thousand. <laughs> just just keep going. Um so yeah, thank everybody for coming out. Stories matters too. Thanks for asking questions. Um. Uh, Keep talking, which I think is the most important thing. Like once it's done, just keep going. Talk after the show. Ask us questions after the show. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, yeah. Also, also thank the thank the thank the panelists too. Yeah. And also, the host, yes. <laughs> John Jensen, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, and Society of Illustrators. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I think that's it,
10: I think that's it. Yeah.